1: You will learn that name, you will remember it.
0: And now... The stud is here. Hey everybody, welcome in, it's David Summers, and here it is, another studcast with the Tennessee stud, Ron Fuller. This is the story of wrestling in America, as told by the stud, whose family started the profession 100 years ago. So now, we step back into the ring, back into time, and get wall-to-wall and treetop tall with the Tennessee stud... Ron Fuller, hanging out in the great Smoky Mountains of Tennessee. All right, Ron, welcome in. We're sorry to say it, but this studcast is going to have some sad news in it. Right off the top, we're going to tell you about a couple of things. We've had two wrestlers pass in the last week, Tommy Siegler and the great Adrian Street just a couple of days ago. So you're going to pay tribute to both of those, Ron. Tommy, in the beginning of this studcast and the incomparable Adrian street at the end today, by the way, I didn't know much about one of them until we talked briefly before this studcast began. And I found out something. So I think your fans would like to know about Tommy Siegler, the first wrestler we lost this past week. So if you don't mind, would you repeat to our listeners what you said to me earlier about Tommy?
1: Yeah, I'd be glad to Dave. Uh... You know, it seems like we lose another great one almost every day now. Well, really, uh, this week uh, in particular, uh, Tommy Siegler, you know, that's a guy that has a special place in my heart. Like many of the wrestlers that helped me get my first Southeastern Wrestling Company off the ground. uh, And that was in 1975. Uh, He was a great young wrestler, man, uh, determined, like most guys, uh, to make a name for himself. And uh, Tommy was one of the first wrestlers to contact me, shortly after I started Southeastern Wrestling in 1974. And he was already an up-and-coming star. And he said, you know, Ron, I'd like to come and work for you. And so he asked if uh, if he could be a part of building your new territory, man. Uh, you know, and, uh, and he said, you know, some more wrestlers that have a place to work, you know. So I told him the truth, that, you know, my new Southeastern company wasn't really able to pay guys of his caliber what they were worth. And, uh, and I remember he said to me, some things are worth more than money, Ron. Which was a great line. Wow. And, wow. and then he came to work for me. And he was one of my first Southeastern champions. He, he was a real credit to the sport. Uh, and I was blessed by not only him, but guys like Nelson Royal, Norvell Austin, Don Carson, Dale Lewis, Ron Wright. Les Thatcher, and the list goes on and on. All of these guys came and participated when uh, they didn't make very much money for it. You know, and all of which, you know, uh, they could have made a lot more money somewhere else, but they wanted to help me and uh, make Southeastern a success. So we're gonna pay tribute to the other one-of-a-kind talent that can never be replaced, Adrian Street, at the end of this stud cast. But before we get to more bad news, Let's, let's, let's get a little bit of good news in here into this one early on as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just spoke about Les Thatcher. Well, I'm really proud to announce, man, he just received the inaugural Jack Briscoe Spotlight Award at the Wrestling Hall of Fame Waterloo, Iowa. Wow. For being a pioneer in the ring, as well as in the fields of television production, writing, hosting, producing magazines, training, etc. Man, Les kind of did it all. And uh, I'd like to, you know, send my congratulations to Les. He's been a big part of a lot of our studcast here, man. And he's going to be uh, in the future, man. Uh, This is not going to end for Les. Uh, He's going to be around here for a while in these studcasts.
0: I I don't think I could come up with a studcast where you hadn't said his name at least once. Or uh, he was the topic of a lot of the conversation through the stud cast so anyway hey i'd like to send my congratulations as well to Les for an honor well deserved he is legendary hey listen we've got a great ride ahead today stud last week stud cast was another huge success and built around the tennessee territories three championship matches on the card and could the heels win all three belts in one night so have you ever heard anything from others, Ron, about that possibly being a record for any wrestling event?
1: Well, that's a good question, Dave. You know, and uh, I haven't heard otherwise. I, that's all I can say, you know, whether it was true or not. But, uh, you know, got a lot of historians out there that call themselves historians. And, uh, and I'd love to know, man, if they can find the answer to that question, is there any time that Three belts, change titles, all three in one event, uh, and see if that is a true record.
0: That would be interesting to know. Okay, so I know this studcast title. The title of this one, number three ten, Tennessee record card, Alabama fades, and Adrian's tribute. So, does that record card in Tennessee have anything to do with the baby faces losing all three belts in the last
1: studcast? <laughs> Well, it certainly does, Dave. Uh, As a matter of fact, the the record card that we're going to be talking about in this studcast was a direct result of that.
0: Oh, good deal. All right, listen, I think we're all saddled up, stud. So where do we ride this week?
1: We're going to start, man, with that record crowd in Knoxville. The card, man. uh, Wow, this is amazing. And we're going to find out what was on the TV show to promote it. Uh, We'll talk about the results of the matches on it and the attendance for the event and then we're going to for the first time uh, give everybody an entire card for the all-star wrestling the night after this fantastic event that we're going to be talking about in knoxville and we're going to head south uh, into like i called it in the title the fading gulf coast territory for its card uh, we'll be talking about mobile alabama card wednesday night august 8 1979 We'll discuss the TV show there that promotes that card. And there will also, that card was going to also be in Montgomery and Dothan that same week. And then, as I promised last, Studcast, we're going to talk about the Knoxville War and how it was basically bleeding over into the Gulf Coast territory at this point and creating its own potential war down there.
0: Hmm, Another war, Stud? I mean, really? All right, I can't believe that might be happening along the gulf coast as well that's kind of hard to believe
1: well it was a it was 1979 day so <laughs> anything was happening man could and was <laughs> happening that Hopefully we can make another learning tree question happen in this one, too. Yeah, you I'd always like ever get one of those.
0: Yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah, I do hope we can work one of those in. You always say, you remember, it was 1979, Dave. Yep. there's that. Okay. All right. So I can tell this stud cast is going to be really special. I can't wait to hear about that record Tennessee card after three of the three title matches were all won by heels in the last stud cast. So let's get started. What was on that Knoxville card? Friday, August 10th, 1979, Chill Howey Park Amphitheater.
1: Well, the crowd opened up. You know, this card was really a, wow, it's a huge one. And, uh, and it opened in a big way, man. Uh, fans were going to get their first look at a young wrestler that years later is going to be in the Hall of Fame. Paul Orndorf was just beginning his career and he was going to be wrestling eddie sullivan in that first match that night tommy rich was wrestling alexis smirnoff then the first of three championship matches the same titles that had changed hands the week before were back on this card Norville austin because of the way he had won the united states junior belt the last week with the help of an unknown fan just came up from out of nowhere and uh and put the boots basically to tony charles uh, so we're going to hear uh, about that match uh, and uh, and how that uh, Novell is going to have to end up wrestling against Tony Charles again. Then we'll talk about the new Southeastern champion, Mongolian Stomper, managed by Gorgeous George Jr., going to be defending against Dean Ho. Then the Southeastern Tag Championship was back at stake with another return match for the belts. New champions, Tortonaka and Mr. Fuji, managed by Gorgeous George Jr., we're going to have to defend against me and Robert. And it was for the same reason Norvell was having to defend against Tony Charles because of outside interference. And in our case, it was from the missing Jimmy Golden, who had been gone for a week. So at the end of these three championship matches, there are going to be two more special added events to this card. The first one was going to be a lose leave Southeastern match. No disqualification, no time limit. There had to be a winner. Kevin Sullivan versus Dick Slater. And the last match of the night was my brother Rob and uh, against Jimmy Golden in a hair versus hair match. Both guys putting up their hair. And, uh, and it was also a no disqualification, no time limit. And there had to be a winner. So one of those guys was going to end up leaving that night with bald head. I
0: can't can't imagine which one, your brother or Jimmy Golden. All right, so you were not exaggerating at all, Stud. That card had everything on it. Seven matches, three titles at stake again, a loser leaves Southeastern, and hair versus hair match. So I can't imagine what was coming on the TV show that set this whole thing up. Let's talk about that.
1: Well, man, I can definitely say this is going to be one of the most unique TV shows that we ever did. Uh, It opened with Les Thatcher at the set uh, in a tight shot, telling fans right off the bat that he and others had been in the TV station all morning long preparing for this TV show. And uh, he told everybody it's going to be full of surprises, I guarantee you, for everybody out there watching and for the wrestlers, too. So then he told fans for the first time ever, he said, on uh, today on Southeastern wrestling, he was not going to be doing the personality profile, that there was going to be a party instead, and it was, it was being prepared for the per in the personality profile slot for a celebration by those wrestlers that the night before had won the three championship belts. So then uh, you know, and he said to Southeastern's knowledge, uh, You know, this was the first time that 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 had ever happened in wrestling history. And Les added that also for the first time, the card for the next week would not be shown until after the personality profile was over.
0: All right. You weren't kidding uh, about the show being very different. So it sounds like the entire normal format of the show was being changed. I'm assuming that was intentional.
1: Oh. Yes, it certainly was, you know, uh, but uh, Les wasn't finished, uh, you know, he had more to say. And he told fans they were going to see in this TV show exactly how it happened in the two out of three of those matches uh, from the night before. And uh, that's why his first guest was with him today. And then the cameras backed away from the tight shot of uh, Les, and they picked up Tony Charles sitting there with him. And uh, Les asked the director right away, so much going on in this TV show, it's kind of like this huge card. So Les asked the director to roll that first video of the United States Junior Heavyweight Championship match from the night before. It opened up with Nobel uh, at this point, was putting the boots to Tony Charles, and then he just just sent him through the ropes out on the concrete. And uh, Tony explained, uh, you know, at this point, people are watching what's going on, uh, Norvell gets the referee and takes him to the opposite side of the ring, pulls him away from where Tony was, and that's when the fan in the hoodie, man, uh, from somewhere in the back rows of the ring up there mm. on the level where the ring was, mm. uh, came down. He arrived, he shows up in the video. Tony's on his hands and knees trying to get up. He kicks him in the head, mm. you know, and uh, and when he kicks him, then Les says, uh. Les uh, says, you know, uh, uh, stop the tape. You know, he asked for the director, stop the tape right there, right. And uh, so then, Les and Tony uh, both pointed out the mysterious fan's was wearing wa- uh, boots, western boot, and uh, and he and the and the color of the boot was yellow boot, you know. And uh, so uh, Les and uh, said, you know, fans, I want you to remember this. Later in the show, we're going, we're going you're going to want to see this so the tape began again uh, they ran the tape on and uh, as soon as that fan kicked uh, tony in the head he ran out the uh, exit to, to the amphitheater and then uh, Norvell got out of the ring threw tony back in the ring he covered him got the three count and uh, that was the first of the three straight championship matches that was won by the heels. at that point the new champion Norvell Austin uh, strutted into the studio for the first match of the day, and obviously the building erupted in booze. uh, And uh, Nobel wasn't upset by that, by his welcome. Uh, You know, in fact, he seemed to enjoy it. He liked it, you know. He he had gotten a lot of heat the night before by winning the belt uh, in that fashion. And uh, so he quickly beat his TV opponent. And uh, then the next segment opened up, and it had Rob and I sitting with us. And uh, the next loss of the championship for recorded uh, from the night before was going to be on this one. And uh, they had, it was up on the sit behind us when we sat down. Uh, they still shot it at it there, and then they rolled it from there. And I was on the outside of the ring uh, when it got to rolling, the tape. And uh, I was working, o- I was really working over Gorgeous George Jr. Bad enough that the referee left the ring to come and try to pull me off of Gorgeous George Jr. Rob, at the same point, had a, had the fuller leg lock on toward Tanaka. Max should have been over right there. Should have been the end of it. But uh, Jimmy Golden, who had been missing for the whole week, for the week before, uh, suddenly he shows up, shot up into the ring, and uh, he raised his, uh, his foot to uh, kick Rob in the head, and Les said, stop the video again. And uh, then you could see that same yellow boot. <laughs> from the guy that had done this to Tony Charles with a hood on, uh-huh. now they see it's Jimmy Golden, right? And uh, so the boot, same color and everything, and uh, the same way it had been used on Tony Charles, he used it on Rob. And uh, when they rolled the tape again, Golden stomped Rob in the face. He ran from the ring. Rob turned loose of the hold. Tanaka crawled away. He couldn't get up. Uh, he'd been in that uh, toehold, and uh, not many people jump up after that's over. And uh, Mr. Fuji crawled over and covered Rob for the loss of the second championship match. So at that point, Tor Tanaka and Mr. Fuji entered the studio. Uh, they, were, they, they were the next TV match, and they had the southeastern belts on, and following their manager, gorgeous George Jr., in the ring, and They took care of business quickly and uh, left the studio uh, to another roar of booze, man. Mm,
0: Not surprised at all. All right. So it was time for the personality profile, right?
1: Yes. uh, But it wasn't being done even on the, not only was Les not doing it, but it wasn't even done on the usual profile set. Because of the large number of wrestlers that were in this celebration here, it was going, it was being shot in the nearby larger studio where they did the news every night uh, so the studio fans could see it uh, either on their monitors or they could look through the doorway where the profile set used to be that doorway had been pulled back and they could see right into that news studio where the heel celebration was going on and, uh, and and the guys that were in that room was Gorgeous George Jr., Tora Tanaka, Mr. Fuji the Mongolian Stomper, Norvell Austin, Kevin Sullivan, and there was the missing Jimmy Golden. And uh, all of them were were involved in the three championship matches from the night before. And uh, so they were toasting each other with champagne, man, and uh, having a big old time. And uh, then the biggest surprise of the day arrived. Uh, Southeastern Commissioner Don Curtis. Came through the back studio entrance, same studio, but from the far side of it. And uh, fans recognized him instantly as soon as he was seen on camera, and they started cheering. <laughs> he was a he was a, he, he well-liked by Southeastern fans. Mm-hmm. And uh, all the wrestlers, uh, uh, they were celebrating. Boy, they went totally silent. <laughs> they weren't expecting Curtis to be there. You know, yeah. so uh, Don <laughs> didn't waste any time. And uh, he told them, he, he said, uh, guys, you know, I'm extremely unhappy, you know, uh, but I am happy to have all of you guys here together uh, for this message that I have for all of you today. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then he said that uh, he had seen earlier this morning, Ray arrived earlier in the day, and he said, I watched videos of everything that happened last night. And he said uh, that after, you know, uh, uh, that after he held the announcement uh, the next Friday night, he said, uh, You know, I'm not, I uh, had to not intentionally not show the card until after we have this uh, little meeting here between me and the group of you. And he says, So so here, yeah, I want to have your attention. And uh, and uh, boy, he had it. I mean, there was no, the, you could have heard a pin drop in there, man. Nobody had anything to say. So he said, You know what happened last night? He says, It's not going to be celebrated, guys. He said, It's going to be corrected. And he said, all the belts wow. won by this group of you last night are going back up again in rematches against the very same opponents that you stole the belts from last night. Mm. He said, the studio crowd, they loved it. They popped. And after that, with each match he talked about from here on, that crowd was popping, the studio was popping. Mm. And he started out when Norvell lost And he told Norvell, he said, you're going to be defending the United States Junior Belt against Tony Charles. Then he said, Tor Tanaka, Mr. Fuji, and your manager, Gorgeous George Jr., y'all are going to be defending against the Southeastern Tag Belts, the champions that you beat uh, last night. Uh, uh, You're going to be defending against Robert and Ron Fuller. And then he said to Gorgeous George Jr., he said, you're a Mongolian stomper, is going to be defending the southeastern belt against Dick Slater. And then he just kept going. And he, st- he added, you know, he said, gentlemen, he says, just to make sure the same thing doesn't happen again next Friday night that happened last night, he says, there's going to be two referees in all of these championship matches. <laughs> so, dude, wow. He's laying it <laughs> out. Man. So the studio exploded on that one, man. But, but he wasn't finished. He said, uh, you know, he said, "Kevin Sullivan. He goes who hadn't been in that. He had wasn't supposed to be involved in the match, mm-hmm. but he had cost. He had cost Slater at the title." He said, "Kevin Sullivan. After what you did last night, he said, uh, leaving your responsibility as a lumberjack around the ring and uh, crawling, crawling underneath the ring and then getting up uh, behind Dick Slater and knocking him out and costing him his Southeastern Championship." He says. He says, I'm going to grant Dick Slater's request. He said, I met Dick Slater with Dick this morning. And he said, I'm going to re- grant his request for a match next week. He said, it's going to be a no disqualification, no time limit, must be a winner. It's going to be the loser leaving Southeastern. It's going to be you against Dick Slater next Friday night. Wow. So uh, now that's Jimmy. He's the only one left in this group, right? <laughs> so, so then Curtis finishes with Jimmy. And he's saying, uh, Jimmy Golan, he says, you missed every booking you had last week. And he said, to do what you did last night and interfere in two matches. He goes, he goes I'm going to grant the request of Robert Fuller that you stomped in the face last night. He goes, uh, I'm going to request, I'm going to put, Uh, I'm going to have you put up your hair against your cousin Robert's hair. No disqualification, no time limit, and uh, there's got to be a winner, and the loser is going to have his head shaved next Friday night. (laughs) I got another explosion from the crowd, man. Uh, So then he continued, and and he says, because Robert is going to have to wrestle twice on this card, wants to try to win the belts back with his brother uh, and then to come back to wrestle you. He goes, that's not fair. He goes, so you're going to have an additional match of yours. A <laughs> and he says, uh, "He <laughs> says your opponent, he says, is going to be the man I definitely wouldn't want to get in the ring with Uh-oh. if I'd done what you did to him. And he said, uh, so before the hair match, Jimmy Golden, you're gonna wrestle Buddy Fuller. <laughs> wow, what a pop there was! Uh, Jimmy almost fell on his face in the floor. <laughs> and then, uh, and then Don Curtis he threw it back to Les, who was sitting in the other studio at the set, and he said, "Okay, Les, you can show that complete card now. <laughs> he goes, Run the whole card, man." And then he went back out the same door he entered and. Every one of those wrestlers in the room were going crazy, man. They were Mm -hmm. screaming and throwing stuff. And it was like, so Les told the director to run the cart, right, for the next Friday night. Uh, And then when the director brought it back to him at the set, Mm -hmm. he said, you know, everybody had seen (laughs) the cart. He says, ladies and gentlemen, he says, "Uh, that concludes our personality profile. (laughs) And and then he threw in, I can't wait until next Friday. Wow.
0: uh, Ron, we, we've listened to, we've heard stories about personality profiles and how, how they mold these shows for a long time. But I think that one may top them all. That was fantastic. All right, so I never saw anything like that one at all. How do you follow something like that?
1: Well, Dick Slater, man, came out, uh, got a win. You know, uh, it's Kevin Sullivan. <laughs> While Dick is getting his win, Kevin Sullivan comes screaming to the set with Les about, wait a minute, I've been forced uh, into a loser leaves Southie. I don't want to leave Southeast. So he was he was having his little fit, and then uh, Rob and I closed out the TV show. Uh, we got another win, and uh, but this time Les he had he had Sullivan there on the last match, but uh, this time he was totally a bombarded. Jimmy Golden was there. Norvel Austin was there. Gorgeous George Jr. Tanaka Fuji Stomper. All of them. They were screaming about their upcoming matches. They can't do this. No, matter what's going on here? So, it was a, it was a pretty different TV, that's for sure.
0: It may have been the best TV wrestling show ever, Ryan. I think Don Curtis might have added another match to that record card. Your father versus Jimmy Golden. I know it was already a great card, but I think my favorite match would have been your father versus Jimmy Golden.
1: <laughs> You're right, Dave. I think <laughs> a lot of other people too. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. You know, and there were a couple of changes, obviously that he had made the original card that, uh, that I described earlier. Obviously my father against Jimmy was added to the card by Curtis. Uh, Dean Ho was removed in the championship match against the Stomper. So Dick Slater was going to have a shot at winning his belt back. So the card had also grown from a, uh, from seven matches to eight matches. So so the following was the actual matches on that card. Uh, Paul Orndorff got his first win ever over the, the southeastern uh, uh, the Eddie Sullivan, uh, Eddie Mansfield. I'm sorry, uh, I'm down south again, man, for a second. Eddie Mansfield, and uh, then Alexis Smirnoff. Uh, beat Tommy Rich. Uh, since the since you just uh, said, Dave, your favorite match would have been my father against Jimmy Golan. Mm-hmm. I want to give everybody a little more info on that particular match. Uh, Rob and I, like not just Rob and I, but everybody in the dressing room uh, came out to watch this match, you know. And, uh, so Rob and I, we watch it with great pleasure. I'm telling you. So Jimmy had turned heel on my father about five weeks earlier and dad had gone to the hospital that night. Uh, he had been recuperating. It took him a couple of weeks to kind of get well. Once he went back to his farm on the far side of Tennessee. And, uh, he had been aching to get back in the ring. He just calling me and Rob, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm well, I want to come back. To this. <laughs> right. So, uh, so, you know, uh, so when Don Curtis, uh, who'd been a lifelong friend of my father, was uh, putting that card together, he called me and he asked me, you know, and he says, Ron, uh, he goes, what do you think if I put Jimmy Golden against your dad? <laughs> and I said, hmm. that's got to happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <yes. laughs> do it, right? So, so that match started out <laughs> with dad against Jimmy. And oh, you could see Jimmy was so concerned. Wow, he didn't know how what the what was going to happen at all. So uh, he's, you know, Dad started right off uh, by showing man his generation. His his sec- he was the second generation of Welch's, and you know? wow, the second generation was different than the first, and it was different than the third. My brother and I, you know, Dad had these skills, man. So. Uh, mm-hmm. He locked up with Jimmy, started this match. And uh, and he started to, in one of the longest chain wrestling maneuvers I've ever seen. You know, when chain wrestling is going from one hole to another, to another, to another, bang, 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 really fast. So he took a headlock. Then he instantly switched the headlock to a hammer lock. Then he wrist locked Jimmy. Then he got an overhand wrist lock. Then he got an arm bar. And then he gave him an arm drag. <laughs> it was like bang, 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 bang so Jimmy was totally lost man, uh, he got up and he, he he fumbled up and stumbled to his feet, then he fell backwards out of the ring and <laughs> so that was a big pop right away, <laughs> so then Jimmy finally got back in the ring they locked up again and this time, Dad grabbed his left, left wrist and he shot underneath Jimmy's arm and he ended up standing behind him with a hammer lock on Jimmy, <laughs> at his arm Jimmy's arm up his back then he grabbed Jimmy's head and he spun him around. And all of a sudden, Jimmy had the hammerlock on Dad. But he didn't even know it. Then Dad instantly switched back and had the hammerlock on him. And he went back and forth and back and forth about five straight times with Jimmy having the hold, Dad having the hold. And uh, so uh, <laughs> then when, uh, when Jimmy finally got out, he was dizzy. He fell down in the ring and he got up and he fell out of the ring. This time he went out head first. Onto the concrete. <laughs> he even got a bigger <laughs> pocket. <popcorn. laughs> uh, that was it for Jimmy. <laughs> he was done. So he, he finally got up, and uh, then he staggered back toward the dressing room where Norvell and Tanaka came out to to get him, basically, you know. And then they were pointing back, go on, get back in the ring. He goes, no, I'm <laughs> not going back up there. So uh, they couldn't get him to go back to the ring, so the referee counted him out, and they raised Dan's head. <laughs> So it wasn't a very long match, but boy, it was a funny one. It was a good one. I tell you,
0: it sounds even better than what I had envisioned. So I would have loved to have seen that. So what match was next on that incredible card?
1: Well, Tony Charles. Uh, he regained his United States title. He won over Norvel Austin. So that was the first championship of the night that had come back uh, to the baby faces. Uh, Rob and I won the Southeastern Tag Belts from Tanaka and Fuji, managed by gorgeous George Jr. And in the process, I put the the, fuller leg lock on uh, Mr. Fuji's leg, and and he didn't want to quit, man. He really fought it and fought it and fought it, so, uh, you know, it hurt him bad, really bad. And, uh, you know, so uh, he finally had to give up, and uh, the two titles had been regained. That was Mr. Fuji's last match. I mean, he he didn't he never worked uh, for Southeastern again. I don't believe after that night, uh, Dick Slater won by disqualification over the Mongolian Stomper. Um, Rob and I had won that second match, so we got two of those titles back. Slater won the match, but it was a DQ, so the Mongolian Stomper retained the belt. So we only got two of the three titles back. Uh, but uh, Dick Slater then beat Kevin Sullivan in the Loser League Southeastern match. And then the eighth match of the night the, for the hair, uh, which was a really wild match. Man, it started off with Rob and Jimmy, naturally. And it finished with me and my dad in the ring. Norval Austin and Tor Tanaka were in the ring. Uh, uh, but the bottom line was Jimmy got beat. Jimmy lost. (laughs) And uh, so uh, they got Tanaka out. They got Norvell out. And Jimmy wasn't going to let him cut his hair and shave his head. And uh, so Dad and I finally held Jimmy down. And Rob shaved his head. Wow. So the next week, one of the matches would be a six-man elimination tag with all of us uh, getting it. All six of the guys that were just in that hair deal uh, were going to be in a match together.
0: Well, and I'm secure enough with my masculinity to say that Jimmy Golden was a good-looking young man back then. So, and he, well, he lost a head full of hair. I know that. All right, that's that's an incredible night of wrestling, a tremendous eight-match card. So, how did you guys do on the crowd?
1: Well, you know what I like to say is, you're right, Dave. But Jimmy had a head full of pretty hair.
0: Uh-huh, yeah.
1: <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I mean, Jimmy's hair was, was, it was he was proud of his hair. And wow, mm-hmm. he's going to be bald. He's going to be bald for months. Wow, I know. <laughs> so, so we finally, uh, on this night, we got back to 4,000 fans, man. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, without a doubt, uh, this card, uh, in the old days, before the wrestling war, this same card would have drawn 7,000 people, maybe, maybe even 8,000. Uh, you know, we were outside in the amphitheater and that place had no limit to how many people. You could fill the stands, you could fill the uh, grandstand, You then they had the grass all on the sides of it. Uh, we could have put 8,000 in there, but we got 4,000. And, uh, you know, because we were in a war, I was pretty happy, man. We got back to 4,000 fans.
0: All right. That's I mean, that's that's not bad at all. I don't doubt that, but was really one of the best wrestling cards I think I've ever heard of. Speaking of cards, you said earlier you had a complete card for the first time of a Saturday night all star event the next night after the card that we just talked about.
1: Yep, I do, man. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really happy to have found this. These, these are really difficult for me to, to, to find the the other people's cards. So, uh, and I'd like to remind everybody that this was basically the ninth week of their operation. They'd been in business for nine weeks uh, when they ran this card. And usually after that many weeks, crowds should start getting larger. But, uh, so, so this was a triple main event, this card. Uh but it only had four matches, so three of them were main events supposedly, and the fourth match was a was a was a pretty good card. Mm-hmm. But uh, so the the card was the Macho Man Randy Savage was taking on Bob Orton Jr. in uh, one of those three main events. Mm-hmm. Ronnie Garvin and Terry Gibbs uh, wrestled a guy called the Assassin. I don't know who he was, and his partner uh, was called uh, Colonel Yankee. I have no idea who those two guys were, but, uh, and then, uh, the great Malenko, uh, faced off against Bob Root and then in the opening match, Ron Wright wrestled Leap and Lanny Poffo. Wow.
0: All right. So, uh, how, how was their attendance?
1: Well, as always, you know, I don't know exactly, uh, but my weekly spotter, the guy that used to go and see all these cards, uh, you know, and he told me, he said it it was actually run less than their usual size crowd. He said, uh, you know, and they've been uh, normally around 1,000. This one he, he said he thought was more probably like 700. And there's a good chance that this big card that we just talked about hurt them a little bit, took some of their audience
0: wow we we've been thinking back and looking back at days before the hulk was hulk hogan and so in this particular case macho man draws 700 or less okay so that that is a long time back i have to say the first part of today's studcast was as fascinating as it was fantastic that card the tv show remarkable so when we get back let's do our break right now when we come back we're headed south to southeastern Gulf Coast territory. This Studcast, number 310, Tennessee record card, Alabama Fades, Adrian's Tribute, all coming up right here. Okay, Studcast fans, as a part of Adrian Street's Tribute, later in this Studcast, Ron mentions his Super Studcast done years ago with Adrian. It's at TN Stud dot com, tnstud.com click super studcast then super studcast number twenty four it's two powerful hours of the life and times of one of the greatest wrestlers in history for only two ninety nine If you want to know more about this unique person, his remarkable life, European wrestling history, and the relationship between Adrian and Ron, there's no better place to find it than TNstud.com. Click Super Studcast, look for number 24, only $2.99. Saddle up for history. All right, welcome back into the second half of this studcast number three hundred and ten. And Ron, I noticed something on social media this morning before we get right back into what's happening as we head south on the studcast. But it looked to me like it was a maybe a new segment or something you you're starting new on your social media and it had to do with 50 years ago today. Are you doing a look back in history? what What is that about on your on your Facebook page?
1: Yeah, you know, Dave, I'm always trying to do something new, man. And uh, so I ran one today, which is uh, really amazing. I've got I've got a list of every match I ever had. Uh, and uh, and then uh, there was a blank spot in here uh, in August uh, August the second, and that's the day we're on right here today. I think is August the second, uh, 2023. 50 years ago on that day. I was, uh, 25 years old. Uh, they had the national wrestling Alliance convention in Las Vegas started on that day, 50 years ago. And, uh, they had invited me, uh, Sam much, president of the NWA invited me to come to the NWA meeting. So it's a three day meeting.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so, you know, uh. And gosh, I was honored, right? Uh, so I, I, I looked in my chart here and I see that I had three days there that I didn't wrestle anywhere. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that was the, during this NWA convention. So I go out there and uh, so <laughs> I don't really know what, you know, why why Sam's invited me here, you know. But uh, so he, he brings me in and then because I, I wasn't uh, an owner uh then I didn't get to go to any of the basic meetings, except he brought me into one of these meetings on the third day. I think it was the last day of the convention. And he introduced me. He said, you know, in the bag back there, you know, he says, I'd like to have Ron Fuller stand up back there. You know, and I'm 25 years old at this point, Dave. Mm-hmm. No, mm-hmm. I'm really, really young. Right? In and a now, room full of
0: what What age, roughly? These were all, all the, the owners. You know, they're,
1: they're anywhere from, uh, you know, 40 to, to 70. Or, right. Or some of them are close to 80. And right? these are they're all the owners. All ter- they're the owners of all these ter- territories. Gotcha. Yeah. Dressing. Go ahead. And I'm the only basic wrestler that's been invited into this meeting, right? And uh, so, uh, so Sam says, uh, you know, Ron, uh, would you stand up back there? You know, he goes, uh, I just wanted to let everybody know here. He goes, uh, you know, Ron here, obviously, is a young wrestler. And uh, how old are you, Ron? Uh, 25, right? I say 25. And he goes, uh, 25 years old. And he goes, uh, he is on my main event that's going to take place a month from today in, uh, in Keel Auditorium. And uh, he's going to be wrestling. Against, this is the funny part here, uh, because uh, the guy I'm against is uh, like, he's a killer, right? So mm-hmm. Basically, uh, <laughs> so and he goes, and he's going to be wrestling a month from today in the Kiel Auditorium for the Missouri Championship against, would you stand up, Gene, Gene Koninsky <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> and that whole <laughs> room full of guys. They popped. They were like, oh, "Are you kidding me? Wow! This how, kid's gonna get killed." How
0: old was Gene at the time?
1: Gene was probably uh, forty in his early forties, maybe. But God, he was still in great shape. And wow, oh, he was one of those old tough men. <laughs> he was as tough as nails. Been a pro, pro uh, football player. He'd done he'd done all kinds of things. So. So, uh, I got set up, man. That was meant three days out there in Las Vegas to get introduced so that all the guys in the NWA could have a big laugh at my expense. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so, uh, so I'm going to kill some of these deals. I'm going to do some of these, uh, these little, uh, 50 years ago today stories. Wow. For now. I'll be looking back at my chart and, uh, and uh, big matches. <laughs> we'll talk maybe about a, m- a month from now about the match uh, with Gene Kanitsky.
0: Oh come on! I was I was going to ask how did that come out? So we got to wait <laughs> well, for. That.
1: Well, well, we'll maybe save that <laughs> for a month from now, <laughs> uh-huh. when when it's fifty years ago exactly. But uh, I, I thought that might be good. Fans might enjoy that. Uh, I know that the darn promoters enjoyed it. They got wow. Those did you matches.
0: have a did you have a good rapport with with Gene? Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, he was a great guy, but God, he was the stiffest wrestler, one of the stiffest guys I wow. ever Wow. Okay. It was it was like being in a war, man. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So, so it, it. it was, that was a good one, man. I That's enjoyed That's cool.
0: That is awesome. All right. I can't wait to hear the, the result on that one. All right. So, all right. Into the stud cast, we're in the Southeastern Gulf Coast territory for the second part of of this stud cast, so give us a quick glimpse, stud, of what was happening in the Gulf Coast territory during this particular time.
1: Well, you know, things had, had basically taken a turn for the worse down there. You know, uh, that, that questionable record Dothan crowd man in, uh, in the football stadium, uh, you know, that everybody was still talking about. It, it had basically, uh, it, it had adversely affected businessmen and uh. So the Hulk uh, and Billy Spears were gone, right? And uh, and the combinations that Louie had left, the talent that he had left, was not that great. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, not certainly as good as it had been. So Louie, basically the booker, he seemed to, at this point, have lost some of his enthusiasm. Wow. And uh, and it was no longer working hard to get new talent like he had been, where he found the Hulk and he found these new guys. Yeah. You know, he he, he kind of... Things had changed. I guess it's a good way to put it.
0: Man, so it was like you were you were being kissed one day and no longer shortly thereafter. I mean, really that quickly. It doesn't sound good, Ron. So let's start this card. Let's see if we can start this card. Down in Mobile, Alabama, Wednesday night, August 8, 1979, two days before the Knoxville card that we just talked about.
1: Okay, we sure can. Uh, the opening match was Herb Calvert. Uh, and he was against one of those two brothers uh, the Oates brothers from Columbus Georgia both those boys were great wrestlers he was wrestling Ted oates that night uh, Ron Slinker was wrestling the Inferno uh, and those he was one of the originals great great wrestler Austin Idol the southeastern Gulf Coast champion was meeting the wrestler that uh, challenged the winner of his championship match with wrestling too the Wednesday before him and Idle was wrestling wrestling too for the belt and uh, the gladiator Dick Steinborn got in the ring and uh, challenged whoever won the match to wrestle him the following week. So the next match uh, was for the return of uh, for the Southeastern belts. Uh, The new champions, the assassins had beat the Samoans in their first match uh, against them. Wow. uh, Pretty amazing feat to beat those boys. And, uh, So uh, the Samoan band, they were the fans' favorites at this point because they had basically gotten rid of Billy Spears. They sent him basically to the hospital, and he never came back after that. So, uh, you know, uh, uh, fans weren't happy about what had happened uh, in that match. And uh, so uh, they they had a riot, actually, and you know how mobile was. So they didn't like who won, and uh, so it was really a bad situation. Then the main event uh, on this card was a return match. Uh, and the week before, uh, Ox Baker had wrestled against Crusher Blackwell, first time the Crusher had ever been to Mobile. And uh, Baker hadn't been there many times. And uh, they had fought all over the building, wow, and uh, bloody as heck, a wild match. And uh, so this match was going to be a lumberjack match. It had wrestlers around the ring so that they could keep those two guys inside rather than them fight out all over the building, <laughs> maybe hurt somebody or get hurt.
0: All right. So the first thing I noticed about this card is the fact it only had five matches in mobile. It's been a while since I saw a five match card on the Gulf coast. So what was on the TV show promoting this card?
1: Well, that five card match, uh, did you just notice, man, is a perfect example of what I just said earlier. About Louie, Louis, you know, it seemed to be uh, no longer really engaged in, in the business, you know, uh, that uh, and that was never a good sign. Obviously, if you got a booker and he's not trying to, to get things done, uh, it, it was just like everything else in 1979. It was like, wow, I can't have enough problems. <laughs> Nothing goes right in 1979. <laughs> so the TV show but this one opens up with Charlie Platt, and uh, his uh, first guest of the show was, man, a frightening figure. I'll tell you that, Ox Baker. Wow, he was, uh, he was scary looking to anybody, you know. And uh, So uh, Baker and Charlie, they watched uh, astounding agility. First match was Crusher Blackwell, so Ox is there to watch Blackwell. And uh, they watched that 425-pound Crusher Blackwell uh, do everything. Wow, that, it was amazing what that guy could do for his size. And, uh, and in the upcoming week, uh, which was going to be their second week, basically, against each other, uh, they had already had a lot of bloody matches. Uh, most of their matches had somebody bleeding and sometimes both of them. So they were really, really tough matches. So, Ox talked about uh, these next matches being lumberjack matches, you know, with wrestlers uh, surrounding the ring. And then, normally, you know, the booker always comes up with that stuff, but Ox Baker was pretty cool about some things. And he said, You know, Charlie Platt, he goes, I suspe- specifically requested these lumberjack matches because he's such a coward, that Blackwell, that says, He keeps running to the dressing room before I get a chance to beat him. That's a good line. So then the next segment opened up with Charlie Charlie at the desk, and uh, and he had the new Southeastern Tag Team Champions. I call them the reborn assassins, man. They basically had dominated Southeastern in 1978, and they're back again out of nowhere. And uh, they watched the video from Mobile three days earlier where they, uh, they used the loaded mask to win the belts. They didn't make any claims. They didn't try to say, well, you didn't see that Charlie. And then we didn't do it. They just said, Hey, we cheated and <laughs> we won, you know? And they said, they, they both uh, laughed about it. We beat that Samoan team, the massive, look how huge those, those guys are huge. Right. And he goes, uh, without a manager, <laughs> they, they had no manager. So the video then showed the assassins problem and, And the problem was getting to the dressing room after they won the belts. And uh, so they had some very kind of inappropriate comments to make about the crowds in Southeastern. You know, and uh, they said stuff like, uh, Charlie said, they said, you know, uh, the crowds are full of convicts, derelicts, and and fanatic fans. They say, and uh, he said, so Charlie said, they said that we, we want to warn all of you convicts and derelicts and you better stay away from us or you get close to us you're going to pay the price from now on we're not going to put up with it right so uh <laughs> thankfully about that time charlie said the samoans came to the ring for the next patch because he said they, he thought the assassins were going to continue on charlie with with <laughs> what they were saying wow
0: all right stud i mean It doesn't sound like something you wanted to get started, especially in cities like Mobile.
1: Yeah, I mean, you don't challenge that crowd. Yeah. So, you know, that's a good point, Dave. In fact, Charlie called me about it after the TV show, and he kind of told me, you know, the the comments they had made. So both those guys were young, man, and and they were very gung-ho. Wow, those guys had their heart in the wrestling business, and. uh, so I called him up. I had a conversation with him later in the day, and, and I reminded them. I said, uh, you know, I said, you guys were in Panama City the night that I got cut by a fan in May of 1978, last year in May, right? You guys were there, right? And you saw what can happen, you know? And uh, I said that, uh, you know, you guys got to tone it down some, man, uh, and all that bravado and that risk of – of, uh, of, of getting cut ain't worth it. I uh, said, you, you may get cut. And I said, you might even get killed <laughs> <laughs> in mobile. You can get killed. It could happen. Right. So, mm. so they understood, you know, and, uh, and they, they both had a great attitude and, uh, and I never heard anything about them saying anything like that ever again. So, mm. so after all this, man, the Samoans got another TV win, uh, with uh, both of those, you know, 300-pounders. Like both of them end up jumping off the top rope on their guys, squashing, literally squashing these poor wrestlers that they wrestled against. Uh, wow, they, the Samoans were tremendous, tremendous team. Uh, so personality profile was next. And again, it was Austin Idol. And he and Charlie watched a video from Mobile three mm-hmm. days earlier mm-hmm. where the gladiator had gotten into the ring. I talked about it there a little bit earlier. Gladiator got in the ring. He challenged the winner of the match. It be, be either Idol or Mr. Wrestling 2. And uh, Mr. Wrestling 2 went over and got in the Gladiator's face. I mean, he was going to kick his butt. And uh, so Idol, no, no dummy, man. And he had an opportunity to get some heat. So he just attacked Wrestling 2 from behind. And and uh, he never let Wrestling 2 get up. For, and he beat him in less than five minutes. So, Idol had this string of wins going over these great opponents, man, that were continuing to grow. And now he could add wrestling, too, to that group. And, uh, hmm. and so, Idol was becoming cockier every week, you know. And he predicted, obviously, that, uh, hey, the Gladiator's going to get his match, and I'm going to kick his butt. <laughs> so, so, then the Gladiator was in the next TV match. And uh, he had obviously seen Austin's profile. He's sitting in the dressing room. He's got a monitor back there. And uh, so he was right after his match, you know. So he said, uh, he said, Johnny told me, he said, I never saw the gladiator so impressive because, wow, he came out. He was on fire. He said he kicked the guy's butt and he beat him with the sleeper hope. So last TV match was the new Southeastern Tag Champions, the Assassins, wore their belts to the ring, and according to Charlie, man, they – They made a big impression on everybody, not just the fans, but probably on the Samoans again. And uh, it was their first TV win as champions in 1979.
0: Wow. That's that's good TV and focused on every major upcoming match. So what were the results? Let's talk about results on that mobile card the following Wednesday night.
1: Well, Herb Calvert beat Ted Oates. Uh, Ron Slinker won over the Inferno. Austin Idol's ego got shattered, man, because he got beat by the Gladiator. He used the sleeper hold on him. He actually got put to sleep. And uh, and thankfully for Idol, it wasn't a championship match. So, uh, you know, he wouldn't have been a champion any all. So uh, they were going to end up, those two coming back uh, to wrestle each other for a couple more weeks because of uh, great, match, great matches they had. Uh, then the new Southeastern Tag Champions, the Assassins, uh, managed to, to not get beat. They uh, There was a 45-minute time limit match for the championship, and uh, and this match between them and the Samoans went 45 minutes. Uh, that had to be a phenomenal match. I wish I'd have got to see that myself. Wow. Uh, and then the Lumberjack match, which was on last, was wild, <laughs> as, as every one of them had been with Oxbaker uh, against Blackwell. And, uh, Ox Baker got a win over Blackwell in it, but he had the self of the assassins who were down at ringside as the lumberjacks. And, uh, all the other wrestlers on the card were also down there too. Uh, hmm. But, uh, they didn't get involved as the assassins did and the assassins, uh, ended up, uh, helping, uh, Ox Baker beat Crusher Blackwell.
0: All right. How about the crowd? What'd you do in attendance that night?
1: Well, it faded a little, man. It uh, was 4,000 from the week before. It went down to 3,600, uh, which was a little disappointing when I got the call about that. But, uh, you know, things uh, things had, were beginning to, uh, to not be as good down there as they had been. Wow. All
0: right. So I've been looking forward to hearing what you have to say about the Knoxville War that was bleeding over, kind of, I guess you would say that, into the Gulf Coast Territory. And it could be headed for war there.
1: Well, this is kind of a very touchy subject, man. Uh, as bad things uh, began to develop, man, down south uh, due to what was happening in Tennessee. And uh, obviously, you have two territories, both running at the same time, they're 500 miles apart. And uh, if you have one of those territories, it's got competition in it and a war going on every week up there in Tennessee. Uh, it automatically made the other territory vulnerable. You know, if anybody was interested in trying to take it, uh, pretty good time, right? So the mere fact had competition in Tennessee it made us weaker down there in Alabama. Uh, And There were other people in the old Gulf Coast territory when I bought it. There were a lot of people that had an interest in running that part of the country. So our first year there, we took a dead territory and uh, we revived it. And uh, more importantly, two out of the five owners of that company, which was my brother and Bob Armstrong and Jimmy Golden and uh, Roy and, uh, you know, there was five of us, uh, you know, two out of those five owners in 1978 were there full time in that territory. Uh, At this point, there's only Roy Lee as an owner down there. And uh, that left us more vulnerable down there as well, you know, and uh, and if anyone was going to try to take or take over or start something, uh, you know, business was fading at this point. Uh, the bookers lost a lot of confidence, and certainly the momentum. And uh, you know, he he's got a weakening talent pool. It's probably a good time for somebody to consider. You know, so uh, so I'm sure. in uh, mm. early August in 1979, there were some people making plans because it was going to happen in the next couple of months. So obviously. This is probably about the time that this all got started. Yeah. So and, uh, I'll go a little deeper into this subject from here on. But uh, I'd like to spend the remainder of this stud cast, if we can, Dave, on a tribute, man, to a very special person.
0: Good deal. Okay, so we're, we're short on time. So no learning tree question. We thought we might have time for that today. And I'm sure everybody wants to hear your thoughts on the passing a couple of days ago of Adrian Street, a star of Continental Wrestling.
1: Well, a couple of days ago, man, uh, you know, uh, this uh, wow—it's hard hard to talk. It's hard for me to talk about this. Somewhat hard for me to talk about it. This because uh, uh, I had a great relationship with Adrian. Uh, uh, in my opinion, Adrian was one of the most unique talents in professional wrestling history. And uh, you know, uh, and uh, a couple of days ago, uh, everybody knows or most everybody does now, uh, Adrian left us. In, uh, adrian and his lovely linda who was a wonderful person uh and still is and uh, and and she has my best wishes and uh uh, and and so many others around the world no doubt too uh so uh, adrian street and linda came to pensacola florida to work for for our continental wrestling company in 1985 and uh, they worked for us until 1988 two of them fell in love with Pensacola men. They stayed there, uh, after I left, I left in 1987. They stayed in Pensacola for more than 30 years until a few years ago, uh, when they returned to Adrian's home, United Kingdom. And, uh, I, I spoke to them often, uh, even did a super stud cast with them. Uh, and, uh, they had been, uh, back home for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, uh, They were extremely happy there, man. They were just, wow, it was wonderful talking to them, wonderful uh, seeing somebody as happy as they were. Uh, Adrian, I got to say, was super talented. Uh, Not only in the ring, but he was an author. He was a painter. He was a writer and singer of his own songs. Uh, and, And besides all that, he was an all around just a great human being, man. Uh, he had so many friends, There's so many people admired him, uh, and fans. Even though he was a heel, fans just, just flocked to him. Uh, so, I mean, Adrian's life story it really is just pure wrestling history. There's no other way to describe it. I mean, uh, and and there will never ever be another Adrian Street. Uh, and you know i bet he's right up there now uh dave uh, with the good lord right now entertaining god <laughs> <laughs> you know I mean? and he'll be doing a good job at it you know and uh so uh god rest adrian so uh, and i want to end this stud man with a final tribute to him and linda and uh and i want to do this with uh, the introduction of his first ever continental wrestling match it was on television in Birmingham, Alabama, July 20th, 1985. Uh, that TV match was just 11 days short of being exactly 38 years before his death. So, you know, uh, pretty amazing. Uh, uh, and uh, his ring introduction song, Imagine What I Could Do For You, pretty much tells it all. And uh, and I, I want to end this show today uh, with this ring introduction and his song. And, uh, and, uh, and, and all my best wishes to Linda and, uh, and, and, and to you up there in heaven. And I'm sure you are, Adrian. Uh, uh, all the best as well. And ladies and gentlemen, his opponent making his way to ringside the first appearance in birmingham alabama he has been the european heavyweight champion and he has also been the world middleweight champion he weighs in at 222 pounds he is from the royal
0: forest of dean would you welcome adrian street accompanied by
3: miss linda the referee alan martin one fall 15 minute time limit Imagine what I could do to you. Mm. To see my many attributes won't need a second glance. You know if you resisted, you just wouldn't stand a chance. I can knock a hole right through a solid concrete wall. I can pull a tree out by its roots and that's not all. Now you know about me you don't need a crystal ball. Tell you just what I could do to you.
2: Mm.
3: I thought of something already. To see my many attributes will need a second glance. No, if you resisted, you just wouldn't stand a chance I can crush a house brick with one movement of my hand And laugh while I reduce it to a dusty heap of sand I cut a splendid figure when I make my chest expand So imagine what I could do to you
0: Mmm, nice Thanks for joining us today for this historic stud cast. The true story continues next week. So full Nelson, your friends, and point them in our direction for another ride with the Tennessee Stud. One, two, three. This is David Summers saying so long from the great Smoky Mountains.